Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by AJ Mirzad, former CEO and founder at Online Supercoach, bestselling author and personal trainer Hall of Fame 2018. Online Supercoach helps personal trainers and coaches grow their online income to six figures while enjoying more freedom and flow. This is actually AJ's second interview with us, and I've asked him to come back here today to talk about his successful exit of Online Supercoach how he's seen business change since COVID, plus how we can invest our profits to retire sooner. So AJ, thank you for joining us, man. How are you doing? My pleasure, Daryl. Thanks for having me again. So glad yeah. to be back on your show. Yeah, it's an honor and pleasure to have you here. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. I think our last interview was maybe 2016, 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. It's yeah, been a eight years yeah. ago. Yeah, it's been a while. What a journey it's been. So. For Let's both get... of us, I think we both left North America and came to Asia. So yeah, we both the writing on the wall. Hey, let's get out of Dodge. <laughs> hey, those girls are cute. What's going on over there? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and Life is so much better in the East. Let's walk back a little bit. When I met you, you were still, I think you just started hitting, forgive me if I'm wrong. I think you just started hitting set, consistent seven-figure years around then. And I know that you had bought a house and you were trying to get the personal trainer of the year. It was a big deal for you. I remember it was like, it meant a lot to you. I remember you po oh, making yeah. posts and the thank you when it happened. Can you maybe start from there? Cause we have the previous interview. People can go back and listen to you. Can you talk about your journey? What was, what, am I right on that? Like you, that was when around 2016 or so was when you were consistently hitting seven figures. Correct yeah. me where I'm wrong. I mean, 2016, yeah, I was consistently hitting 100,000K months in revenue and uh, had a lot of momentum at the time with my online super coach business. But how I got into that was personal training. I was a personal trainer and uh, that was my first entry into entrepreneurship. Actually, I tried so many different businesses, many of them failed. However, personal training worked really well and that allowed me to quit my day job. And I was doing one-on-one -on -one training initially. Then I went to group training. Then I hired a mentor named Chris McCombs back in 2009. And he opened my mind to the world of online training. He was a genius online marketing coach. And he really understood the fitness industry. So I started dabbling with online fitness coaching. And with his guidance and his coaching, that business started taking off. And I realized, okay, I'm inside the gym working with clients. If I'm sick, if I don't show up, if I go on vacation, I don't get paid. So it was a new method of making money, not trading hours for dollars, but actually training people online. So that started taking off. And then Chris introduced me to a lot of other people in the fitness industry and they actually had me speak at their seminars and their events. AJ, how do you coach people online? And I was just sharing my business model, how I attracted the clients, what the packages I sold, how I coached them virtually. 
And I realized when doing these seminars and speaking to these personal trainers, there's a huge hole in the marketplace. 2012, no one was teaching how to build an online coaching business. So I saw a big blue ocean with no competition. And I decided to do a webinar simply sharing my backstory, how I was a personal trainer, how I did online coaching. Here's my Facebook ads of how I attracted clients. Here's my sales process. Here's the packages I sell. And here is how I coach them virtually through a virtual infrastructure. And that webinar just blew up like crazy. At the time, I was just selling a simple $2,000 course. And I started to improve the course. Eventually, $7,000 was the sweet spot. And then that business is basically just took off like wildfire because again, no one was teaching trainers and coaches how to do online coaching. I had a $7,000 online super coach system. And that really took my life to the next level because I hit my first seven figure online business and opened up so much opportunity. Yeah. I can I only imagine what it was like that first seven figure year. So that was what year is this now? And when does the trainer of the year fit into the story? Yeah. So basically there was a conference in San Francisco, the North Cal Fitness Conference, and it was really famous in our industry. I would go there and speak every single year. This particular year, they had actual award ceremony with different categories for the Personal Trainer Hall of Fame. So I was nominated in the PT Hall of Fame for helping to bring online coaching to the fitness industry. As I mentioned, I was like a pioneer in a sense. No one was teaching people how to do online coaching. I was right. one of the first guys. So it was me and a few other people nominated. So I actually won and I got inducted into the Fitness Hall of Fame for bringing online coaching to our industry. Got it. I'm laughing to myself here because I remember our last talk, you're asking about what I was doing and I told you about my 52-week program. And you're like, oh, online that sounds very leverageable and, and now hearing the story it's just it's funny to me different niche it's not personal training but i definitely made me laugh because i was like i bet you probably see the parallels yeah. okay so when all right so you're doing this and you just sell your i don't want to say just you're selling the seven thousand dollar course at what point are you thinking about exiting and how did you go about the exit was it just any business for sale and someone was like here and gave you a stack of money and you went on your way was that straightforward yeah, it wasn't that easy, of course, because the business was really based on me and my personality. So when you right. have a, a coaching business based on a guru or a big personality, it's very hard to sell because if the personality is not with the program, who's yeah. going to take it over? If right. Tony Robbins created a system, only Tony Robbins or Oprah could teach that system. So I right. quickly realized that I had to get out of promoting myself. Instead, it was the online super coach system. Even when I was having my students do testimonials, I said, hey, don't say that AJ helped you. Say the online super coach system helped you. So I started focusing more on that because I knew that if I built it in a way where I detached myself from the business, then I could just sell the system. And around 2020, of course, we had the lovely pandemic. And at the same time, I had a tragic injury. I remember that. 2020. <laughs> I went to Brazil to celebrate Carnival. This is like yeah. a lifelong trip. dream. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, three days into the trip, 
I had a tragic trip on a wet staircase. It was just a random morning. I decided to go to the gym that day. And that one decision had me slip on a wet staircase. I slipped so quickly that I ended up breaking my leg and tearing my left quadricep. It was the most excruciating pain, the worst freak accident. Again, a damn staircase. I wasn't even yeah. drunk or anything. It was eight o'clock in the morning prior going to the gym. So that injury really messed me up because that happened at the end of February, March 7th. I had my surgery to reattach the quadricep. COVID was hitting the world really strong. So I came to think, wow, for the first time in my life, I'm incapacitated. I'm not able to work because that injury had me literally bedridden and paralyzed for six months. I had to go everywhere in a wheelchair. It was severely limiting, a lot of pain and a lot of mental anguish. Yeah. Plus COVID happened. So a big part of my business was doing seminars, right? I was doing live events, a seminar every six to eight weeks. I would host many of them at my house and I had a conference center and the seminar shut down completely. So all of a sudden I took a massive hit in my income because I no longer could do live events. I couldn't really work because of my leg. And then from that point on, I started to say, man, I really can't give my business the full power and attention that it deserves. So ideally, I would like to look into selling it because mm. it was a cash producing machine. All the systems were built out at the same time. Who I was back in 2012 is not who I am now. Right. So 10 years, I changed as a person. You changed. I, so you have two choices. Abandon the business. A lot of people do that. They just stop the old business, focus on something new. Yep. But this thing was profitable. I, even when I wasn't marketing it, sales were coming in because for 10 years, I was putting out so much content, running so many yeah. ads. Yep. And then I pretty much hired a business broker. And I said, hey, is this sellable? And these coaching businesses are harder to sell. When you buy an online business, most people will like to buy an e-commerce, a simple Physical product. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because it, you don't have a personality attached to it. But he said, we will try. And oddly enough, there are a lot of people that are interested. So he would have me connect with different people. We would talk to them. Some of them just wanted to take the business, the email list, strip it down. Other people wanted to change the program completely. Then I fed a guy named Dennis Dennison, who was also a former personal trainer. He owned a successful chain of gyms on Long Island, a very successful entrepreneur, family man. And I just really connected with him. I feel mm -hmm. like I built this baby from the ground up. Out of all the people I spoke to, he was the best fit to take it to the next level. He's right. in a place where he's passionate. He's a very wealthy guy. He could reinvest in the business and it, he could really continue growing it. And then we had negotiations going back and forth. Finally, he accepted the business. I accepted his offer. And then January, 2002, we sat down at the closing table. I transferred everything over to him and I officially exited the business. And then retired. Somewhat. I'm too young to retire. Instead right. of retiring, I said, I'm going to take a one-year sabbatical, a one-year traveling, and that's what had me end up in Thailand. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I, I agree. I did a mini retirement in my mid-30s, and I just can't. Yeah, I did the beach thing. I did, I think it lasted maybe four weeks, and I was like, I need goals. I need something to do. I'm just yeah. way too A-type personality. I got to be up at 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m., I got something, I'm getting already getting in the best shape of my life, but I don't want to work out for eight hours a day, two, three hours. I'm done. Now, what am I going to do with the rest? The other 21 hours of my day minus eight. What, 
Exactly. You know what they say, Daryl, the idle mind is a devil's playground. So if right. we are in a place where we're a type A personality and we're not working, we're retired, then we could do some bad stuff and yep. get caught up in things that are not at our highest ideal. So yep. it's good for us to be busy so we could use that energy and put it for something productive instead of something destructive. A hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. With that. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like for me, I, I grew up, my dad was a hippie. And so I grew up smoking a little weed every now and then. When you have enough money in the bank account, you don't need to work for a year or more. There was no stopping me for going, hey, I, why not just wake up and smoke a joint? I can show up to this client meeting high. I don't give a fuck. They're like, I don't need them. They can accept me for me. And all of a sudden you lose control. Like these structural things that are in place preventing you because you don't have the discipline. They're not there anymore. And you're just like floating. And that's what it was for me. And I, at least I can't, I can only speak for my own journey. For me, I got through it. But it wasn't easy per se. And there was a period where I had succumbed. And it's not like I, I think there's worse things to be doing all with all your time than smoke a little bud. Oh no, he ate a bunch of food and passed it on the couch. It's not like I was shooting heroin or anything. But that said, it's still, you're still not your full self. And everybody's got it. Some people it's food. And then all yeah. of a sudden they're not having, a, so they're not on a work schedule. They can eat whenever they want. There's a lot of different vices people have. So I think that's a really powerful, powerful message you talked about where, like you say, idle hands, like you need something to do. Like what you find a deeper meaning and purpose. So how, do you feel like you're still looking for it or have you found the next thing or? Not quite. I've not found it just yet because I'm really in a place where I'm very open to any type of possibility, any type of business, because I just can't retire, lay on a beach, sip pina coladas for the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah. I have a lot of decades of healthy life ahead of me. And ideally, I want to be busy. I want to be working where I am helping people. I'm using my creative mind. I'm, yep. I'm basically solving problems, staying busy. Yep. I gave myself a one-year sabbatical, which was J July of 2022. I came to Thailand. Currently, it's August of 2023. So my year's just about up. And that's what actually led me to move to Bangkok, Thailand, because I was in Pattaya, which is more of a beach yeah. relaxation type of place. So August <laughs> 1st, I moved to Bangkok in the middle of the business, the ambition, and I've been just going to networking events and I'm really trying to, I guess, figure out the next business and let it happen organically yeah, because yeah. it could be a coaching business, could be e-com, could be anything. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I'm not quite sure if I want to do a startup, meaning like what I did with the online super coach, building all this stuff. It took me many years because that's the yeah. hardest business going from yeah. zero to even 10K a month. Um, yeah. It'd be cool if I could partner with someone who already has a business or maybe I could buy someone else's business. I just want something that already has momentum. And if I could just come yeah. in and be a partner or buy someone's built business and take it to the next level, that's where I'm at more now. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit? Just in, first off, just a comment. Yeah. It's much easier to get something moving to move better faster than to go from zero. That's like a rocket ship. It's all in the, it's all in the liftoff right now. You talked about. I, I, I was yeah. going to say, you, you probably noticed this too. I was curious because you work with so many entrepreneurs, and it's so much harder to get a person from zero to $5,000 a month. However, if someone's making $5,000 a month, you could easily take them to 10, 20, 30,000. Oh, yeah. Know? And yeah. it's like the newbie just getting started, so much momentum, right? It's like the rocket ship. 80% of the fuel is just getting it off the ground. But once it's off the ground, Smooth sailing. Yeah, it can be. It can. It really can be because you got to find product market fit. And then it's what you're experiencing. It's not even product market fit. 
because there's a lot of products out there that have product market fit. It's product market founder fit. And that's yeah. something a lot of people don't realize. They're like, oh, I'm going to go in this business. And then, like you say, the zero to five figures, sorry, five grand or 10 or whatever that is, 20 grand a month, depending. I mean, if you're selling $5,000 items, you know, it's not, but a lot of people, they like baking. So they decide to open up a bakery and their friends are like, oh, you have the best pies. You should open up a bakery store. So they spend months planning the logo and the layout of the store and the menu and they pick a location crap. and they pick this location. It's this great shop. It's within my budget. And then they open their doors and they hit up all their family and friends to come make the obligatory purchase. And they all come and make the obligatory. And now they're busy and they're in business and they're making stuff. And now that the friends made that purchase, they don't, the other purchases don't come because it's yeah. out of their way because they only bought because you're a friend. And now they're stuck with the problem of, I got a product. Where's the market? Who are the people? And then some people, they find the market, but then it's not a fit. They don't, I don't like serving. I want to sell hot dogs and make money, but I can't do it and be at the beach all day. I don't know. People don't want to buy hot dogs. Now I'm selling them to bar. People leaving the bar at night, but I hate dealing with the drunks. And so now we've got the product market founder fit, you know, that's, that's an element of it too. So you had mentioned you built all the systems. Can you, for the people, maybe someone who's starting out and struggling, can you maybe go through the different systems? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of businesses, they don't have a website that converts, right? That's a great system, an initial system, a website that number one converts clientele, a website that captures email, building an email list, having a simple email autoresponder, developing an email newsletter where you are emailing them every day or once or twice a week, being able to, most importantly, once a person signs up, have the whole client journey systematized from the first payment. How do you greet them? How do you make them feel comfortable with their investment, the onboarding? So a lot of stuff has to be done to really get the business flowing and one, have a great system for prospects, right? Lead generation, lead capture, lead nurturing. Then you have a great system for the paid client, right? Customer service and onboarding and giving them different ways to get support. And mm-hmm. again, a lot of people kind of wing it and it, cause like right now, if I were going to start any business or be a part of any business, the number one thing is, do you have an email list? Because mm-hmm. most people are in business for many years and they don't have an email list. They could have a million right? subs on YouTube, but they never collect emails and they're yeah. at the mercy of YouTube if their channel gets deleted or the algorithm and it's gone. So the smart but AJ is an email dead. <laughs> no way. It's, ne- it's never going away. And you can import your email contacts into LinkedIn. You can invite, send an email and invite people to follow you on TikTok or Facebook or whatever, but you can't export your Facebook followers. So true. Uh, I have an old client. She went to, she left Texas and went back home to Pakistan. She grew a seven figure business out of Texas and she went back to Pakistan and I guess got put on some lives with some of the religious leaders as a uh, talking about her experience as a Muslim woman building a business and so to speak, a man's world and her perspective on the Quran and things. And she just blew up. She's got over a million followers on Facebook now. And wow. she's just trying as best as possible to get people to raise their hands that might be a fit. And launch, she's already launched two other types of businesses because she can't, it's great, but you know, you, it's gotta be, you gotta sanitize and water down what you say on Facebook and that. And Again, you can't export them. She's just trying to get all those leads onto an email list as best as she can. Because until then, it's not the same as an asset. I remember I, yeah. we helped grow John Astaraf's following from 70,000 to 350,000 followers 
on wow. Facebook. We were getting millions of impressions a week. And then January 2014, Facebook rolled out the boost post feature. And oh, so yeah. now we only got 500,000 impressions a week. And to get the exposure we were getting before, we had to pay to boost posts. And that would have been over $1,000 per post. So you got to remember when, yeah, don't build yeah. your house on someone else's land. That's a, it's a valuable lesson there. The email yeah. list. Yeah. Money in the list. I think that's one of the most important things that people don't have an email list. Start immediately. Create some type of newsletter or lead magnet, right? A cheat yep. sheet, something that's high value, quick result for people. And give that away as an ethical bribe exchange for an email. Yeah. Can you talk about some of the other assets in a business that people maybe overlook? Like an email list. What else comes to mind? You know, one of the biggest assets I found that was valuable was building a series of lead magnets and different giveaways where you could post them on social media, post them as an ad. Pretty much you have a landing page where it just collects emails all day long. So you just want to send traffic to that page, right? You get your ideal target audience to go on that page. It's something that they are very desirable. They'll happily give you an email to get that back because having the landing pages. And again, for me, I spent many years testing and tweaking them, right? Like the initial landing pages, websites, even ads, right? They were just like a raw draft. And then after spending a lot of money, sending traffic to it, thousands of dollars of paid traffic, I got them to convert really well. So let's say they're converting at 60, 70%. And then when I sell the business, a lot of what the guy's buying are tested and proving funnels, landing pages, right? Even the whole client process, I had to reiterate it hundreds of different times. I would survey all of my students and say, would you like, would you not like, how can I improve? And then making those improvements. So for a decade, all the assets I sold were all proven and tested and had the highest conversions possible. Do you speak to paid ads a little bit there? You said you tested with thousands. Why not just do a bunch of SEO articles? I was never really good at SEO. I really figured that if I just paid for ads, it'd be a lot faster. I remember when I even had my fitness business back in 2009, 2010, I started playing with Facebook ads and boy, was it easy back then. Yeah, it, was yeah. so simple. it was funny. I remember just having a Facebook ad with a woofoo form application, right? <laughs> so it was Facebook ad to application and I was getting hundreds of leads a day. It was so simple, but effective because no one was doing it. And Facebook was like the wild west, right? You can make any type of claim, make money, lose fat, right? Have yeah. better sex. So you can say anything back in the day. Now it's obviously very different. A lot yeah. more expensive is very cheap. So once I got into Facebook ads, I started running it for this online super coach business. And again, I was doing everything myself. So I would just start with a budget of $10, $20 a day run traffic, have different types of landing pages, A, B, split testing. And over time, I just got more proficient at understanding, okay, if I send this much traffic to this page, I make this much money. So my funnel was very simple. It was a cold traffic, Facebook, YouTube, Google ad to a landing page where they would watch a webinar, right? The webinar would warm them up, pre-sell them, get them replaced, Hot and cold, one or two. Who the hell is AJ? Why should I buy from him? Nine, 10. All right, this guy's something that I need. I want to invest in him. So the webinar would warm them up. It would really share everything they need to know, do all the heavy lifting. 
And then once they ended the webinar, I would give them a 10 minute call. On that 10 minute call, we wanna see if they're a good fit, they're financially able to buy the program. If they are, then we offer them the $7,000 12 week package. So it was cold traffic to landing page, to webinar, to high ticket 7K call. And mm. I just dialed in that process so well that best month ever, we closed the 30 packages at 7K. Right. So it was a significant yeah. amount of cash. Flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. I love that. Webinars are so powerful. I That's actually, I've helped a couple of people do a couple of million with webinars. Can you talk about a webinar? Is there any magic to it? What's any magic? If you are not going to spend a hundred hours learning the ins and outs of webinars, marketing, the perfect webinar, Russell Brunson, Frank Kern. If you're not going to spend all that, they would hire someone like you because it's not an easy learning curve. People think mm -hmm. you just basically record yourself talking about the program and you put the webinar out. It's not going to convert. There's so much nuances making people come on to the webinar. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Stay yep. till the end, giving them little ethical bribes, yep. open loops. There's a lot of psychology. So I basically immersed myself for a few years before I even made my first seminar of studying every single webinar course, webinar guru, Frank Kern. He taught me a lot. Russell Brunson, Taki Moore. Um, Wow. Yeah. Ryan Dice. Ryan Dice. Ryan yeah, I'm Dice. trying to think about all these old school guys. Even Pagan. Yeah. Evan Pagan's at all. He's he hasn't been around. I've he might be around. I, I haven't been around in for a he's, while. He's Is he? Still, he? Yeah, he relaunched like a new offer. It's like more oh, I saw like, they did the, the perfect coaching thing. It was for a coach, it was inception. It was coaching coaches to coach coaches on how to coach yeah, something a, like that. Yeah. I saw it. Their, their stuff was dialed in though. It looked great. The copy looked great. The page, I was yeah, it was good. It looked great. Back then, right, this was 2013, 2014, man, I was doing a one-hour-long webinar because there was this software I used. Stealth Seminar, it's the best. It's the best. There's all sorts out there. Stealth is yeah. always the best. Uh, that's how we did the million, too, because you could run it. They had live support. A lot of these Big tools, you pay a yeah. one-time fee, and then you own it for life, but there's no support. There's no updates. There's no... They update it until the sales drop off, and then you just got what you got, and... In today's day and age, uh, everything uh, updates uh, so much. I'm yeah. curious, Daryl, because again, a decade ago, we were doing an hour, 90 minute webinars, but now with short attention spans, do people watch long webinars? I'd imagine that you have to do a shorter webinar, maybe a video sales letter. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of people that are into video sales letters to applications. It really depends on the market. I don't want to do the cop out of you got to test, but people are still watching full like movies. People are watching really? YouTube videos. People are watching interviews like this that are an hour long. How many people yeah. have like Joe Rogan's doing three hour content like, yeah. like every episode. So long there's a place, long. there's this place for long form content still, but you can't bore someone into, into it. So it's similar. I think it really comes down to the psychology, you know, if, and if it is like a very specific program, right? Let's say for example, a guy has erectile dysfunction and you have a webinar on how to solve it naturally without taking Viagra or doing any type of like hardcore drug. If a person cannot get it up, they can't get an erection, maintain an erection, then they'll watch a two, three hour long webinar, right? Learning right. about themselves, why this is happening. So you're right. If it's the, if it's a deep pain and you're talking about their problem, you're educating them and you're giving them a solution, yeah. uh, the length does not matter.
Yeah, it depends on the industry. And I think the sophistication of them, like Mac, was it Maxwell, Sackheim's five stages of market sophistication? Oh, yeah. I think, I think it, that is, plays a factor too. Look, AI is out. You can ask Bard or ChatGPT. A question will give an answer, but Amazon book sales are still humming along. People didn't just abandon it and go, hey, I don't want to spend 30 hours to read this book. Can you just... So true. You just give me the baby. People are still buying the books. So I think if, again, it just depends on the level of market sophistication, which is a great question. Now I want to throw. So I just wanted to bring one point up because you mentioned AI. Like I've been super obsessed with AI and really every video podcast, whatever is like AI related by a credible person, I'll watch it. And one of the most fascinating aspects of AI that I'm currently getting into is AI animation. You could do like a Simpsons type of animation, right? So episode of the simpsons they say would take six months to do a 30 minute episode drawing it by hand it takes so long so much editing and obviously the animation process was very time consuming and now you have incredible software where you just put in prompts and you say the scene looks like this you could create an episode of the simpsons in six minutes yeah so i really do think that's the future of marketing because you could have a webinar that's so engaging, literally like a cartoon animation. They even have a real movie where yep. like real human beings and you could create the setting and scene like like your own Oppenheimer, for example. Yeah. And uh, it's still fascinating, right? Because you could take a great piece of copy, right? You have a great sales page and turn that to an animation or even take a webinar that converts, turn that to an animation. So now people are just so much more engaged. I agree hundred percent. I equate it when people ask me about AI, not that you did, but it's my podcast or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I, listen, I love AI. And if I could learn from you and whatever you have to share, please. This is well, that's part of, part, of, part of why you're on the podcast here, to be honest, because I've hired two developers and we've set up a series of AI systems that now wow. we used to slow down because a podcast would have to be transcribed and then we'd have to have someone make SEO show notes and we'd need to pull out some quotes for the, the snippets, the short reels, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. Maybe I knew I one I have a guy I met from my hometown. He was doing a million dollars a month. Max sold. Shout out to Sushi. He was telling me about it. He was giving my interviews to his staff and having them make little workbooks on it. Test them on the content of the calls. We would make those now too. And then you have to have a graphic designer make the thumbnail. But now after this interview, AJ, in less than 10 minutes, I'm going to have that. And there are subscription tools you can sign up to that out there. incredible. I had some ladies be like, oh, I paid for this tool to do that. And I looked up the tool and I'm like, oh, you're paying 50 bucks a month for five hours. I'm paying 30 cents per hour. Like, That's and I get, I get all that stuff. So part of AI, but I feel like it's just like calculators and accounting and bookkeeping in the sense of back in the day, they had to crunch the numbers and the productive ones were productive and the non-productive ones were unproductive. But if they had bad math, if they had bad uh, financial literacy in general, they would still be bad at what they did. And so now we have calculators, the productive ones become more productive and the non-productive ones lose their excuse for why it's taken them so long to tell you what two plus two is. And there's more to bookkeeping and accounting than that. But my point is that they were just tools that enabled the whole industry to move faster and to be better and took a lot of the boring rote stuff out of that. I don't really, like you talked about AI animation. I think it's, you're exactly right. You can be more visually tantalizing, but white those whiteboard VSLs where the guy's drawn as you go oh, yeah. along, like those have been around forever and that's the same thing. So it's, True. it's just an engaging copy. I think it's exactly that. My personal opinion is they're tools. Maybe there'll be some form of sentience thing in the future. I really don't think that. I personally, I think I read a great book by David Deutsch. He's the kind of the godfather of quantum computing. Oh, yes. Yeah. I saw his podcast. on. Yeah. He's got some great stuff. 
his book, The Beginning of Infinity. And maybe AI is out there, but I think what's way more likely is there's just tools. We're already a cyborg right now. I'm talking to you from one country to another. Yeah. wires and microphones and ones and our zeros phones are like a, a part of our right? like reality we can only hold 150 people in our head as i forget what it is but it's some law yeah, somebody yeah. studied and so Dunbar's it's like 150 rule there that the dunbar's 150 rule and so if it wasn't for my facebook and my spreadsheets and all that stuff and the history of all my podcast shows i wouldn't have remembered you to reach out to you again so we're already cyborgs i just think yeah. we're accelerating towards the future and what we really need to do is focus on as a species, our, our values. Is it communism versus kind of capitalism, capitalism. Is, yeah. is equality versus freedom. If everyone's equal, no one's free. If no one's free, then why be excellent? There's no reason to be excellent at something, but yeah. if excellence reigns dominance, and you have generational advantages. Like we have to figure out some of the nuances to these things. It's not as simple as black and white. I think that's what it's going to be. If AI slaughters a huge percentage of humanity, it's because of misprogramming and, uh, and just pointing it in the wrong and it's like yeah, a gun yeah. pointing, pointing in the wrong way the developers because yeah that's why elon says censor elon talks about why censorship is so dangerous because censorship seeks out and squashes dissent and opinions but we don't go out and we're not going out and assassinating every single baboon that we know of we might injure some and we might take away their habitat on our path of our development and growth but we're not seeking them out so when you create something like censorship it seeks out but if you instead aim AI, instead the pursuit of universal truths and to constantly eliminate errors, it's less likely that it's just going to become some genocidal tool that's, hey, people wearing green shirts are dangerous. Let's kill them all. Right. That's yeah. 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 It is interesting. It's a very good conversation right now because you see a lot of intelligent people that are saying there should be some type of regulation among AI or even they said there was a one guy proposed a crazy idea to halt every single AI project, every type of AI investment for three months right. until they create like rules and regulations and systems so that it doesn't get out of hand and we end up like the Terminator and right. the robots right. are destroying humanity. I think that's the biggest fear. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And unfortunately, you're never going to do it. It's the same thing with cloning. They clone sheep, they clone dogs. I saw a documentary. They're cloning camels right now, right right now. I'm sure China, they're cloning humans because yeah, they've done hybrids. A, a lot of black hat stuff in China that yep. is against human ethics and whatnot. Yep. But I do know that even the Chinese, they've perfected a process of, let's say, babies born, they'll never get HIV. They're resistant to HIV and certain diseases because they do gene editing. And if they're doing that, I can't imagine what other type of designer humans are creating. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting world. So I think the biggest thing is making sure that things are accessible and empowering the people and trying to prevent secrecy. Because that's, I think, where things get really dangerous, where you have... got to be you know, transparent. Yeah. And the whole COVID, right? It, it was a bat in Wuhan. Yeah. Oh, now <laughs> it's so much evidence. The lab leak theory, Fauci... Yep. Is, so it doesn't take a genius to realize that even COVID was man-made and manufactured. And who knows what was the main intent for it, but it did screw the whole world up and killed millions and millions of people. Yep. And censorship did us know. I'm keeping, I'm, I don't know why I keep coming back to censorship, but I actually interviewed Dr. Robert Malone before he was on anyone's radar, really. No way. Before no he way. was That's on Rogan. Crazy. Yeah, I interviewed him, I think the last wow. couple of days, 2021. I published that interview and my podcast downloads dropped massively. Holy he, cow. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, 
So it was maybe my, maybe I just suck. Maybe everybody went online and I suck and no, I've been I mean, online since 2012, but I don't know. It was people pretty got literally shut down or shadow banned. even London real. They, yep. they deleted a lot of episodes. So obviously yep. that name is a red flag for a lot of these companies. He published the first paper, the first, I think three papers on how it would be done, but this speaks to the Karl Popper was one of the first and probably one of the best science educators. And he had a formula for the scientific method. Now all science, just as a caveat, I like to say this, all science is based on one miracle, the big bang. So science says, just grant me the miracle of the big bang. And I can explain away God and the rest of the universe. But the hope this, the scientific formula is P1 plus TS plus EE equals P2. And based off of everything we talked about, you're probably an expert at this. And you, you may or may not even know it. P1 is problem one plus temporary solution plus eliminate the errors. You eliminate errors through experimentation, observation, research, discourse, debate, trial and error, data collection, like setting up a funnel and driving traffic to it. Problem one, I'm not getting leads, right? Temporary solution, eliminate errors. That leads you to problem two, or you still have problem one, but you've learned more. And so it's an iterative process. It doesn't guarantee a breakthrough, but it's a way that we hopefully stop ourselves from fooling ourselves. And then going back to David Deutsch in his book, The Beginning of Infinity, which is not an easy read. It is something that you, a book to chew on. You need to read it, honestly, two, two, three times, skim it a couple times and read it. But he talks about what science really is. Good science are specific explanations that are hard to vary without ruining it all. And so an example that I like to use is, or maybe it's the example he used, and that's where I got it. I'm not sure. But in the Greeks, they used to have a myth about why we have seasons. And the myth was some goddess was kidnapped by like the devil or the god of the underworld and taken there to be his, his slave, essentially. And so the world cried, and that's why we had winter. But the mom went and did a deal with the devil, and so she gets to come home for a few months every year. And that's why we have spring and summer, because the world's celebrating the princess's return. But that's yeah. an explanation that doesn't explain some of the variance and the details. If you go to the equator, they don't have winter. When you look at other answers, like how do we know that we're not the center of the universe anymore? Because for the longest time that we were, and if you said different, that was heresy and you could be executed for it. And how we did that was with telescopes because they would observe not just the phases of the moon, but it was first, it wasn't Galileo, it was somebody else, but I'm sorry, maybe it was Galileo, but it was him validating someone else's theory by observing the phases of Venus, just like how we have a full moon, a half moon, crescent moon, we have those with Venus. And the only way to explain that is with math and geometry. That must mean the sun is here, this distance from that at this, at this angle, and it must be rotating in this manner. And that's the specific explanation that is very difficult to vary any of the details of without the whole thing turning to mashed potatoes. And that's why we know the sun's at the center of the universe. One of the, the flat earth thing, it's the, oh, the earth is on a turtle. What's the turtle on? Another turtle. What's that turtle on? Another turtle. It's just a circular thing that goes nowhere. Anyways, I digress. But so whether you knew it or not, you were a scientist doing all those experiments, setting up a system and a process and trying to automate it and having standards and improving and refining them, eliminating all the errors. It's a great point, Daryl, because I think deeply about the decade that I've coached so much people to go online, right? Over a thousand people. And I had people, right? Many of them had zero clue what they were doing. They were first time online business owners. And then I had people who 
were very successful, right? Yep. Many people started from zero into 10K a month, 20K a month, and even I had a few million dollar students that did 100K a month consistently. And the one thing I noticed from the superstars was they were emotionally detached to the results, mm -hmm. right? It was like they launch a landing page with Facebook ads. They're running Facebook ads, $40 a day, three days pass, right? And they're spending $120. They say the conversions are low. So I need to change this landing page because I'm spending money. I'm not getting an ROI. Let me change it. So they look at it very objectively. Yep. They need to do this, right? Emotionally unattached. However, the losers, the people who that would quit and entrepreneurship is not for me. I'm going to get a job, right? They would run the same three days of ads, $120. Facebook ads don't work. work it's right. a scam. <laughs> this whole business is a scam. You know, what yeah. I, they have one bad month of business. I suck. I'm terrible. No one likes me. They get on a sales call. They don't, the persons buy from them. They get all rejected. They yep. let their emotions get so involved. That's why they'll never be successful. I, I agree a thousand percent. I a thousand percent. There's a lot of wisdom there. It's even a great book called Scientific Advertising, right? Claude Hopkins. Oh, yes. Claude yeah. Hopkins. Yeah. One of the greats. One of the greats. It's, it's never like a failure, right? Another great book, Fail Forward by John Maxwell. Yes. That's the whole premise of it. It's like failure is good. Keep on failing. Every time you fail, you get one step closer. And the same thing where yes. uh, thankfully I have a lot of business acumen that I'm going to do my next business and it's probably not going to work. I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try this. I'm going to keep on going until it works, but I'm not going to get emotionally butthurt like I did when I first started. As <laughs> AJ, you've got such an inspiring story and your energy is fantastic. I know I want to respect your time. I know we're coming into the top of the hour here. If people want to reach out and ask you questions, if they want to know more, where do they go? How do they get in touch? Yeah, I find most active on Instagram, my social media. My name is AJ Mirzad, and you could always DM me. Thankfully, I currently don't have a business, so I'm pretty accessible. And if you say you came from Daryl's podcast, hit me up on Instagram. Be happy to chat with you, answer any questions you have. That's so awesome. So that's AJ, the letter AJ, and then M I H R Z A D. Yes, sir. If you just Google my name, AJ Mirzad, all my social medias pop up, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Instagram is my, I guess, most active. Your home. Yeah. What is that anyways, Mir Mirzad? What is that? Oh, Persian background. Persian. Ah, okay. I was wondering. I was, I was like, yeah, okay. Isn't that, I think that's where the education system comes from. But another time, AJ, I'd love to have you back. You've got great energy. I feel like we vibe so well. We could go for hours. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. I super appreciate it. Not everybody can do what you've done or not everybody has done, I should say, what you've done. I'm sure more people have potential to than actually go for the goal. And I'm just so grateful to, to know that you're you're just a click away and that we're in, in almost the same time zone. I definitely yeah, want to hit you up. for you too. Again, yeah. we've been friends for, man, probably over a decade, right? And it's yeah. Living the dream, right? You actually built an online business. You are helping people successfully maintaining the business right you never quit you keep on going you are living the dream you move to the philippines you start right. a family there you're living remotely working you know and it's the dream because most people they would fantasize doing what you're currently doing and maybe sometimes it's good to realize like how successful mm. you truly are thank you i appreciate that 
So just a simple man. None of it matters 5,000 years from now anyhow, but we're all going to die anyway. Until then, we Put it to ourselves and leave it a bit better than how we found it. AJ, thank you so much, man. I really honor, honor and appreciate your time.